Um, okay, welcome again. We're on day three, everybody. And I have Dr. Hanisha Patel on. And um, she's a naturopathic doctor. And so I, and she's going to explain what that means because, you know, she's going to explain. Let me turn on my light because I was trying to be cute like Dr. J last night. She was all lit up and I was shamed because my lighting was a little raggedy. So I have a big light in my face, but if it looks better and more glowy, then hey. Um, so she's going to explain what that means, but I want to share how I met her. So I go to a naturopathic doctor here. She's an, an MD and an ND. Um, naturopathic doctor. And so I, I go there for my care. I have been going since 2013 and it has changed and revolutionized how I care for myself and the information that I know and how to care for myself, you know, in general. So um, Dr. Patel and I, as after I got certified at the Institute of Integrative Nutrition to be a health coach, my doctor uh, hired me to work there with her. And Dr. Patel at the same time. Dr. Patel had just graduated or just passed mm -hmm. off her boards and finished everything. So she was a doctor now. So we started working there together. And we each had a small amount of time and then we moved on, right? But Dr. Patel and I kept in touch and she's been on my radio show twice. So we are gonna talk a little bit about that. And, um, uh, but what we're gonna talk about tonight is natural ways for you to boost your immunity and boosting your immunity is at all times. It's not mm -hmm. just during a crisis. And what happens is you fare better if your immune system is boosted so that when this comes, then you're not out here having issues, okay? Mm -hmm. So that's one. Um, and we're gonna talk about a few of the myths that she knows from a, from a trained doctor perspective to for us to to um dispel because there's so many things going on out here so many things being said so many articles being sent you know so many memes being sent so many graphs and half that stuff is a lie so what we want to do is as many myths as we can so again with those of you who are here if you if you have a specific question so that i don't miss you because i don't want to miss you if you scroll down to where it says all panelists and attendees in the chat section, you will see the name Shannon Flowers. She is my sister. Give her the specific question you want so that she can alert me and let me know so that I don't miss you. And you could tell her you want it to be anonymous or you can just say who you are. But otherwise, if it's just general, please continue in the chat because it's just kind of fun to see what you all are talking about in the chat. So again, welcome everybody. Jay's here. Uh, Miriam is back. Uh, Mrs. Dorsey's here. Welcome, Mrs. Dorsey. Uh, Raquel, my tear is back. So welcome everybody and we'll just go ahead and we'll get started. So Dr. Hanisha Patel, welcome. Hi, thank you so much for having me. I'm really excited that you're doing the summits. So cool. Thank you and thank you for your yes. Thank you of course. for your yes. So a naturopathic doctor, what exactly does that mean? Okay, so naturopathic medicine is a type of medicine that combines the rigors of modern science with the ancient wisdom of nature. So that's putting it as simply as possible, kind of combining the best of both worlds and putting it all together. Um, and we look what, as a naturopathic doctor, what we do is look at the person as each person as an individual on a holistic level. So in mind, body, and spirit, looking at all of them to address what could be the underlying cause of their disease or their symptoms in general. So getting to the root of the issue and addressing the issue, the root of the issue with th uh, things like nutrition, uh, physical medicine, herbal medicine, uh, homeopathy, and whatever else may be needed. And then as needed, pharmaceuticals and surgery, because of course there's a time and a place for those. And um, Western medicine has come up with so many great types of medicine, um, but sometimes we overdo them. And, and that's kind of what naturopathic doctors, what we do is figure out when it's actually needed versus when there are other things that can be done 
before resorting to um, very invasive therapies like pharmaceuticals and surgery. But we are definitely um, on board with that as when that's needed. Right. So let's just unpack that for a second. Mm-hmm. Mindset is to have to be also and black and white is not what you want to do. And we're kind of trained that way, especially African-American women. We are trained that way that we believe everything the white man doctor says. And y'all know it's true. And that's not always the way. Our grandmamas knew way more than um, we gave them credit for, depending on how old you are. Um, your great, 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 great grandmother or the, whoever the elders were, they were the ones who went and got the herbs. Uh, they were the ones who cooked up the teas. My mom had a burn when she was a baby and they took her to a lady who blew smoke on her. Interesting. And she so yeah. what would happen was, I, you know, we weren't allowed to go to hospitals. So our people had to take care of us at home. And this wasn't in the distant past, you know, this was in the forties and the fifties and just depending on where you were. And then you also know that a lot of us and especially a lot of our men are like, I ain't going to the doctor, right? So there's a reason why, there's a reason why. So there's a also and in this, you definitely want to um, match when needed certain medicine, the Western traditional medicine with what like Dr. Patel is saying, indigenous, and then mind, body, spirit, diet and other things. And my experience was that I had fibroids. I had three surgeries, three. And on the fourth time when I still was having my issues after three surgeries and they all grew back, the doctor said, all right, you need a hysterectomy. I'm 32 years old and they want to give me a hysterectomy. It wasn't something that I want. I know many uh, people have gotten them, but it just didn't feel right for me. And I didn't know why. And then I started to study. And this is when this all came to me. This is when I started this uh, naturopathic um, journey and started to learn more about traditional holistic, naturopathic, more indigenous medicines. And that's how I attracted my doctor through Dr. Vicky. Dr. Vicky introduced me to the naturopathic MD that I go to now. So what made you get into this, Dr. Patel? Yeah, so uh, it's, I'll try to shorten the story a little bit. Um, There's a few different ways I got into this path. First, starting with, I did have the privilege of growing up with Ayurvedic medicine or ancient Indian medicine in my family as well. Yes. Right. Um, I didn't know. So, so what became difficult there was I would ask my mom why turmeric was good for me. Cause we would always be doing, you know, I feel like now turmeric lattes are becoming popular and they're, they're definitely like a, a hipster sort of drink, but we were drinking those turmeric lattes as kids and we hated it because um, our mom would not put honey in it and it was just straight turmeric and water. Like it wasn't as good, right? They make it taste way better, um, but it would help us feel better. And I would ask my mom and be like, oh, why? How does turmeric work? And she had no idea, right? Like she does, she just knows that it works. Right. And, um, and my curious mind was like, I want to know more and I want to understand this better. But I didn't really think about all that in more detail until college when I got my degree in pharmaceutical sciences, actually. So um, I, as I was studying, I did my degree in pharmaceutical sciences because I really loved biochemistry. I was like a super biochem nerd. And I was like, I really want to do more with this. Yeah. um, But I didn't want to do a chemistry major or a biochemistry major. That seemed too much, but I wanted to go into medicine. So I was like, pharmaceutical sciences, this is great. It's a great blend of like medicine with the the chemistry, organic chemistry, biochemistry. And so I decided to do that. And I just kept learning about the side effects of the medications and then the medications needed for the side effects and then the medications needed for those side effects. And there was this vicious cycle, right? And um, I I just questioned it. I was like, there's gotta be other ways. And I remembered during that time, whenever I started questioning, I was like, you know, we grew up with Ayurvedic medicine a little bit, but like, I don't know anything about it. And um, so I was like, okay, I I feel, I feel like I want to learn more about that. Maybe that's something, I don't know. And uh, again, kind of similar where we've been taught to 
hate or uh, hate our, our own culture because that's what we've been trained to do is because whatever all, our culture is has to be wrong and whatever the white man tells us has to be right. Right. So that's kind of the way we've all been, we've all grown up and trained conditionally. Yeah. And so, um, so I was still like, I was like, no, it can't really be a thing. But then I actually ended up traveling to Guatemala in undergrad and had the opportunity to learn about their traditional medicines and what they were doing there. And then had a Mayan healing session. And I was like, this is so cool. So they were looking at the mind, body, spirit perspective. And I was just like, oh, this is awesome. And then I was like, I do have this medicine I want to explore. I, then I got really into Ayurvedic medicine. And I was like, yes, I need to do that. So after undergrad, I went to India, worked for a nonprofit there, oh, wow. um, learned more about Ayurveda. And then when I came back to the States, I was like, I need to incorporate something like this at, in my practice. Like I can't imagine myself practicing seeing patients and not using herbal medicine, nutrition, exercise. I can't, I just can't imagine myself doing that. And there, and I was like, and if these are the few things that I've learned from just these two cultures and the very min, like super minuscule amount that I even learned from them because they're, you know, all of these indigenous medicines are thousands of years of wisdom. So you can't even possibly learn that even in four years, right? Four years of medical school is not enough residency. That's not enough time. Most right. of these doctors are like 30, 40 years and they're still like, we're still learning, right? Um, which is the beauty of it. And I'm really excited about all that. And so that was one part of how I got into naturopathic medicine. And then the other part was I have my own autoimmune health issues. I have autoimmune um, health issue mean? What is autoimmune? Autoimmune means uh, my immune system is attacking itself. Yes. So, um, so whenever we talk about, and especially in regards to this COVID crisis, we talk about people who are immunocompromised or at higher risk. So with an autoimmune condition, because my immune system is already attacking itself, so it's already weaker. So that would mean that I am also immunocompromised okay. as well. What are some other um, instances of autoimmunity that, oh, there's that, people, that people might know? Yeah, definitely. So the one that I have in particular is fairly common. It's Hashimoto's hypothyroidism. Okay. And so that is, affects about one in seven women. And um, one in seven women, and oh, actually, no, I think now it's gone up to one in five women and one in seven men. Um, that's, yeah, it's just going up significantly. And so it is definitely... This is in the U.S. specifically. I, I don't know about the entire world, but this is more in the States. And, um, and so that's one common one, but there's also things like lupus, rheumatoid arthritis. Um, those are very common autoimmune conditions. Um, type 1 diabetes is a common autoimmune condition. So those are all considered autoimmune. Okay. However, with that said, even anyone with a chronic health condition like diabetes or high cholesterol, heart disease, any of those kinds of issues are also considered immunocompromised because their health is not um, optimal. Gotcha. So let's stop on the cholesterol. Yeah. We have a question um, that says, uh, how do you, what is the advice to lower or control it? Because they're uh, in the African-American community, it's pretty prevalent. Yes. Yes, definitely. So um, let's, yeah, let's address that right now. Let's talk about how for cholesterol in general, there are a lot of things that we can do in terms of our diet first. Um, however, I, this is not meant to be medical advice. You know, I, I want to make that disclaimer. Do not stop taking any medications or anything like that because there is a tapering process that we work with if you are on medication. So, um, so please, please be safe with whenever you're taking medications. Do not just discontinue anything without consulting your doctor. Um, but there is a process to it. And um, if your cholesterol is not high enough where you need a statin medication and your doctor tells you that, oh, it's not, it's, it's a little high, but don't worry about it. This is a really good time to make sure that it doesn't get to the point where you need a, chole a Let's cholesterol. Let's keep an eye on it. Let's keep an eye on it. It goes higher and then we get you on the medicine. <laughs> exactly. And this is where naturopathic doctors really excel is in that period, right? So if you're just a little elevated or even close to elevated, we make sure we work to make sure that 
you don't get to that point where it's actually considered high cholesterol or it's actually considered diabetes. We, we help you prevent getting those diseases um, because, because we check, we look at the labs a little differently. So in terms of cholesterol, some of the main dietary things are going to be to lower LDL cholesterol is going to be to get your dark leafy greens. Those are so, so, so crucial. I feel like that's said not enough because we always, and now, now so often we resort to supplements too, mm -hmm. but food is medicine. Yeah. Um, Hippocrates said that all of the indigenous leaders of medicine, healers of medicine have all said food is medicine. And this is, um, this is where we can start with prevention and prevention is really the best type of medicine, right? Um, so, so yeah, getting your dark leafy greens, avoiding those really, um, carby foods. So th you know, like grains, mm -hmm. things like wheat, um, rice, anything with a lot of sugar, sugar turns into fat and, um, then can increase the plaque buildup in your arteries. So avoiding some of these more processed foods, um, and then, and then increasing your vegetable intake. I usually recommend trying to get like nine cups of vegetables a day. Uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, people are always surprised by that. But even today, I didn't even have like a full lunch, but I still had about eight cups of vegetables. So, um, so it's totally doable. What did that look like? Like, what does that look like? What did you have? Yeah, I can, I can break it down for you. Like my, my, my day today. So I had about three cups of vegetables um, in my green smoothie this morning. So like first thing in the morning after my workout and everything, I had a green smoothie. So that's like one really good, easy way to get it in. And then for lunch, I actually was kind of in a hurry. So I had some uh, pasta made from green peas, which was actually pretty good. Highly recommend. Um, it's uh, made from green peas and that's all there. It was like green peas and garlic were the only two ingredients in this pasta. Um, so that was kind of cool. Uh, eating just vegetables. They were in, it was, it was um, diverse. Yes. Yes. Um, well, whenever I say the green pea pasta, I'm not even counting the pasta as a vegetable because it's still very processed. So I don't actually count that. Uh, I still, that to me, that's still pasta. Maybe I, I'm still getting some benefits, but it's more of a protein for me in that way. Um, but I did add some vegetables to the marinara sauce. And so I got some of the vegetables there that I only had like about a cup and a half of veggies. And then for dinner, I, I sauteed about three cups of vegetables and, um, had it with salmon. So now let me ask you this, um, speaking of Ayurvedic medicine, mm -hmm. um, we talked about a while ago that we are, when we were in training Vata. Mm -hmm. right. Very, very much so. So when people say to me, or when they have in the past said to me, just go eat a big old bowl of salad, that does not work for me. Mm -hmm. My body does not digest raw vegetables because mm -hmm. what happens is that then I start to look like I'm about three months pregnant. So what I want you to um, consider is the bio-individuality. Everybody's yes. body is different based on their, based on being in their mother's womb, correct? Based yes. Based on being in your mother's womb in gestation. Yes, plus our environment, right? So there, it's both factors. Um, obviously there's the genetic factor of it, but then our environment really shapes us. And when I say environment, I mean the foods that we have been eating, right? Um, the, the, zip code that we're born in, depending on the surroundings there, the amount of pollution there, all of that can affect our ability to even digest foods yes. properly or well. So um, people like us, since we've, we both have had our history of health issues, we do have to be a little bit more mindful of the food that we consume and how we consume it as well. Because um, I, I think that's a really good point that you bring up about how we couldn't eat those raw salads. I couldn't eat those either. I was trying to be healthy eating right. the kale and I would feel terrible. Yep. So, um, so it really is about getting that individualized nutrition plan. Um, I like made a joke about, okay, if you could name off three different diets right now, what would they be? And then I'm like, vegan, whatever else. Exactly. Vegan, keto, paleo, 
carnivore is becoming a thing, right? Vegetarian. But I'm like, the one that we really should be focusing on is science-based individualized nutrition plans, right? Exactly. So what I do in my practice is use um, modern science and modern research on what would be best depending on your condition. So what would be best, what I just talked about, what be best for lowering cholesterol was based off of modern research. However, where we make it more geared towards each individual would be, I would look into what your Ayurvedic constitution is. I would be interested in what your blood type is and bringing all of these things together to see, okay, maybe this is how we can tweak your nutrition plan because what works this kale salad that works really well for this person may not work for you based on your, your genetic makeup and, and environmental makeup, both, both of these factors. And we think because it's a fruit or a vegetable that you, it's natural. Yeah. It could be, it could naturally harm you just because oh, it's definitely. natural. Organic mm-hmm. things, natural things can still harm you. So you have exactly. to know what works for your body. So I wanted to put that blanket out there because there are a lot of people asking specific questions about what they have going on, but there's no way for anybody to answer it. And that's the thing. That's the difference between the Western medicine and the more naturopathic path is because they will do the test and ask you, how are you even processing your emotions? Like, mm-hmm. what do you have mold in your house? You know, mm-hmm. they ask those kinds of questions, whereas the, the Western medicine doctor potentially, and so it's like we said, also in, we're not putting anybody down. What we're saying is more traditionally, they will just throw you into a medicine and don't mm-hmm. ask all those questions. And, and the reality is, unfortunately, with the way our system is set up, they don't really have the time to. So I'm grateful. I'm sorry. Isn't it like usually 13 minutes they have with you and then they exactly cycle? it's yeah seven to 15 minutes um, on average and yeah it really it, the way the system with the insurance system and all that set up it's it's really not set up for for the doctors or the patients really and so I'm grateful that I have the opportunity to spend time with my patients I spend at least at least 40 minutes on follow-ups but reg on um, the initial visit we spend at least an hour and before that. Like you said, we go into all of those details, even on my questionnaires on what you're eating, what, what stressors you currently have, what are some stress relievers and how do you manage that, right? So it's, it's bringing it all together and addressing your mental, emotional and spiritual well-being in general. Now that just makes me um, answer Simone's question even easier. Is naturopathic medicine beneficial for mental illness? Yes, definitely. Definitely. I mean, I, I've seen so many people benefit from naturopathic medicine and I actually have a few patients that I'm working with who um, we're working together to help them get off of their antidepressants and, um, and live without those because of course those antidepressants have so many side effects Mm -hmm. and so optimizing their health there. And, and like I said, it's, it's a full, holistic picture, right? So whenever we talk about mental health, we can't talk about mental health without addressing your gut health and your physical health. Because if you have improper gut health, this is a big part of immunity as well, is if you have improper gut health, then um, you're, you're not able to produce those neurotransmitters. Most of our, most of our serotonin, about 90% of our serotonin is actually produced in our gut. And our serotonin is our feel-good neurotransmitter. So this is what most antidepressants actually target. Uh-huh. And so, and they try to increase the level of serotonin in your body, but what they're not getting to is the root cause. So if you have your gut health is out of balance and you're not even able to produce serotonin, you're just, you're just throwing a bandaid on this um, disease of depression, right? So, or anxiety, you're just constantly throwing this bandaid on it when we're not getting to the root of it. And I do want to mention too, sometimes people can have these gut health imbalances and have no digestive symptoms as well. So it really, really just depends. So I want to like make sure that we're keeping it so that everybody understands. So natural naturopathic medicine could potentially be good in every arena. What happens is in Western medicine, we're siloed. You go to the toe doctor, you go to the tooth doctor, you go to all these different doctors and they're not talking to each other. So there's not a whole picture of your health. So I go to also a naturopathic doctor, I mean, dentist, 
Dr. Terry Victor, he's went to Howard. He's, he's the only yeah. uh, naturopathic doctor, um, holistic, dentist on, holistic dentist on the East Coast here. And he's right in Southeast off of Pennsylvania Avenue. And he was sharing with me, because I had him on my show, is that dentistry and traditional medicine were together. And then they broke off. And so now the dentists kind of get like the short end of the stick because they are not seen as, um, as prestigious as doctors are. Mm. So what you want to do is you want to approach it from a mind, body, and spirit thing. So as an example, let me just give you a little bit like an example. So fibroids. I got those three surgeries. They told me that I needed them. They grew back instantly. What I never addressed was my emotional pain. What I never addressed was my ancestral stuff. So my sisters are on here. I'm adopted. I didn't know anything about my, my biological roots. And uh, fibroids specifically run through the maternal line. And so what we do, we affect seven generations out. And what happens, we are carrying seven generations behind us. Mm -hmm. So whatever was happening, good, bad, indifferent, we are carrying it. Think of Erica Badu's bag lady, right? But if you ever heard, especially, you know, in the Christian faith, they say, Let, um, let's break these generational curses. That's part of what you can do when you change your mindset and you do things differently than what was done before. You take the good of all the wonderful things that your family does, but with your new information, whenever you get it, you can choose to do something differently. And then your baby will do different and your grandbaby will do something different and, and on and on. So I didn't know that when I was getting cut three times. Mm -hmm. Intuitively, before that hysterectomy came, something told me just don't do it. And mm -hmm. so now I have learned these other ways to deal with it. Yeah. And that's what Dr. Patel will sit you down. You might have a kidney situation, a, a toe situation, but she might ask you, do you love yourself? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Right. That, so that's a, that's definitely that. a question I ask. Yes. <laughs> let's talk about that. Like, let's talk about some of the emotional things. Cause when you suppress your emotions, that's, that can cause disease. Definitely. And so I really liked that you talked about how um, the traumas and, and the, the healing, all of whatever has come from our ancestors is passed down to us. Uh, because that is so true. But, and, and I like that you also mentioned, but we can change that cycle, right? So we have the ability to change that cycle. It takes work for sure. It's definitely takes work and it can be really, really difficult at times um, because processing our emotions is not always fun, right? If right. we're feeling, if we're going through a divorce or a family member has passed, it's not it's not always enjoyable to grieve, but it's important to grieve and experience whatever you're feeling. Uh, because when we don't do that, that stays like a more resistant trauma that kind of, it, it just stays persistent within us. And it just keeps getting suppressed and suppressed and suppressed until eventually it expresses itself most likely in, in a way of a physical disease. So it manifests itself in a physical disease. So, so that's one huge reason why it's so important to process your emotions. I, um, I always say that it's more, whenever you do that, it might feel like whenever you have to cry for whatever reason you're grieving, right? You can cry for hours, let yourself, let, let yourself be. And I think that's, um, and, and when we let ourselves be like that, we can actually heal much quicker. Yeah. too instead of staying in this kind of like dull lull state where we're just like meh which is what i call it it's just meh instead of feeling that we can feel true happiness as well whenever we allow ourselves to feel all of our emotions and so that's really important and one thing like when i talk about the crying i, I do want to mention how it's very interesting how different cultures approach grieving especially death mm -hmm. um i i noticed so i grew up hindu and our, for our funerals, usually um, the, the person who dies gets cremated. And so we, it, so it's really interesting because in, the, in our culture, we sit on the floor often, right? It's just, it's just something that we do, like whenever we're praying, people are sitting on the floor, it's just a common thing. 
sitting cross-legged. And um, what it what is fascinating is when I went to a funeral with of my cousin, it was really interesting. What I noticed there was every single person was bawling their eyes out, just bawling and bawling and bawling, right? Because there was a death in our family and it only made sense. And then I went to one of my friend's father's funeral um, funerals and he, he, it was a, at the church and it was very, a clearly very Western funeral. And what was interesting was even the wife of the man and the kids, no one was really showing that they were crying. They, they felt like they needed to hide it. They're like, right. I'm like, if there's any appropriate time to cry, this yep. would be it. Like it's okay. Right. But it was just interesting because we, in our culture, especially in our Western culture, we have this need to like, be like, Oh no, we got this. We, we have it all together, but, but why do we need to always have it all together? Right. right. That's not human. That's not that's, human that's at all. Something, and that's definitely an African-American woman thing. Right. And I want to give an example. Oh, go ahead. Go ahead. Yeah, well, and I was just going to say that that has to do with the colonialization and uh, Westernization significantly because now um, I, I feel like women of color in general, if we do express our emotions, we're considered weak. We're considered, you know, like, and, and so, um, or angry or whatever it may be, these stereotypes that exist. Yeah. And, and that can be extremely, extremely oppressive yeah. in that way itself. And so allowing ourselves to process those em emotions and being comfortable in that in yeah. itself is so empowering, I think. Absolutely. We're gonna talk more about emotions on Thursday with Erica okay. Cotton. We're doing yeah. emotional emancipation. Yes. I've been um, going to her emotional emancipation circles for quite a few years now, but mm -hmm. I just did one again on Wednesday and she freed me up. She picked me up from That's a lot amazing. of things just by doing small exercises and giving me um, things to think about. So we will talk about that. What I, I wanted to give you a quick little story, and then I want to um, address the gut yes. and immunity, because we're talking about suppression of feelings, but then that also diminishes your immunity. And yes. we want to talk about things that boost the immunity. Right. So right. Friday or Saturday, a two-year-old from my hometown was playing in the tub, got too much water in his, in his nose, went to his brain. He passed away yesterday. Two, his mom can't be 27, okay? She's online doing this video talking about, I'm strong, I'm good, I'm trying to be strong for all of y'all. I don't need you all to text me and call me, I'm strong. And I'm thinking, I don't know her. I, my mom knows her grandma, yeah. right? But I don't know this young lady and I wanted to just call her if I could and tell her she has to get that out. She's, yeah. she's, in, she's, she's in shock right now and she's numb. That stuff is going to come and get her. That's her baby, two and a half years old. He was just playing in the tub. Life is different. But that's what we do. She was on doing a whole Facebook live talking about how strong she was and her baby just died. And that's kind of the violence that we commit against ourselves. Right. You don't have to be strong, lady. Your baby just died. So, I think, go ahead. I, and I just want to say that I think processing your emotions is really, truly the greatest strength because right. that is so hard to do. Right. It's not easy to actually allow yourself to feel all of these, what we consider negative feelings, right? It's not easy to feel that. Yeah. And, um, but when we do, it can be so liberating, right. so liberating. And the, and God made us with emotions. They yes, are for a reason. If you're afraid, that means you might have to haul ass if something's chasing you, and you want that to. You want exactly. that. You know, if you're exactly. um, if you're in fear, then you you might like that's your yes, your intuition taking care of you to get ready to do whatever. Your body has a whole process. Mm -hmm. Happiness. All these different things are God given um, instincts and intuitions right. that we are given, and we are used to suppressing them and pushing them down. So we have lots of questions. One about yes. the side effects of turmeric. Are there any? So um, if taken in high, really, really high doses, it can have a blood thinning effect. Um, so I, so that's kind of the main thing. Otherwise, 
there aren't really any side effects, especially if you're putting it in food, having a turmeric latte, things like that. There are definitely no side effects there. Um, but if you're taking in really high doses, then it can have that sort of effect. So I definitely don't recommend it if you are on blood thinners because it can make it worse. Um, so so that's, that's the main thing with turmeric but okay. really there's no side effects. Can you explain gut health? These are just the questions that I'm getting. What yeah. is gut health and how do you keep it healthy? Yeah, definitely. So I'm gonna kind of tie that into immunity as well, since we did talk about it. Um, and so the, I wanna start by saying that all of our indigenous um, healers, Hippocrates all talk about how health begins in the gut. Um, so, this, this is really, really important because now modern research is finding there's a gut-brain connection, there's a gut-skin connection, there's a gut-hormone connection, there's gut-everything, gut-immune connection. Actually, about 90% of um, people, who, or not 90% of people, 90% of our immune system comes from our gut. So this is how closely connected your immune system is with your gut. So optimizing your gut health would really look like a lot of things. It's, um, it, there's this t-shirt that I really want that says I had 99 problems, but, um, healing my gut solved like 95 of them uh, <laughs> because that's really, really accurate for myself. Personally, I had a lot of digestive health issues. Unfortunately, I, you can't just heal it overnight. Even if you do start eating healthy, there might be things that are out of balance. Um, a common thing that we see very often now is intestinal permeability, which is another word for it is leaky gut. So that's really commonly seen. That's what's happening with leaky gut. I'm just gonna talk about this one because it's the most common that we're seeing right now. But what happens with leaky gut is you have this, um, you have this cell lining. So this is a cell, this is a cell, they're usually attached like this or like this. But what happens with a leaky gut is your cells kind of lose, um, lose that traction between one another. And then pathogens or bacteria, fungi, viruses, parasites, whatever these bad guys are, can move through your, um, your intestines. It can go from your intestines into your bloodstream, leading to issues like my, what I had of Hashimoto's and autoimmune conditions, especially, but also leading to a number of different issues, right? And so that's what happens. And when we start to heal our gut, this can actually bring this back together. So there are a number of different things that we need to do to optimize our gut health. But one of the main things that I tell people to monitor is their stool. Your stool can tell us so much about your health. And so just being mindful, how often are you passing a bowel movement? How, um, what does your bowel movement look like? You know, looking in the toilet and seeing what that actually looks like is really, really going to be important because we want to know if there's food in your stool, because that means you're not digesting your food. Um, if there's mucus buildup, that means that you may have some gallbladder health issues, right? So our stool tells us so much that um, I always, I always am asking about people's stool. Um, so if you do come see me, be ready for that because as I stated, that's where it really starts. So if you're not passing a bowel movement two to three times a day and, and or you're straining while passing a bowel movement or you're having loose bowel movements, or, so you're having bowel movements like six to seven times a day, these are all indications that your gut health is out of, out of balance. Now let's talk Optimal, about gluten, yeah. that too. Gluten, people are talking yeah. about gluten-free and grains and they want to go keto and vegan and then that's a whole bunch of grains. Let's talk about that and the connection. Yeah. To, to yeah. So, um, so what I talked about with the cell lining, with the cell lining, there's something called zonulin that gets, that actually separates these tight junctions. So these are co considered tight junctions when they're tight like this. Um, the zonulin separates these tight junctions and what gluten does is activates that zonulin. Um, or sorry, it loosens the tight junctions and um, gluten activates the zonulin, which then loosens the tight junctions, mm -hmm. creating that separation, allowing for things that are not ideal for our, um, our health in general, getting into our bloodstream. And so, so that's where gluten can play a very negative role. But that really is going with kind of any processed foods. So the way I really like to simplify this in terms of processed foods is Processed foods really have only been around for less than 100 years. Um, McDonald's 
started about a hundred years ago, but even, um, so I don't know if you all, or you watch the show Mixed-ish and Black-ish. Okay. Yeah. So I've seen all the spinoffs. I'm really obsessed with all of them, but on, um, there was an episode on Mixed-ish where they talked about how if you got fast food in the eighties, you were the cool kid, right? right? Like it was, it was really cool. And I was like, that's, that's like what, that was just 30 years ago. Right. 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 Um, it wasn't that long ago. And so the generation, like the eighties and nineties babies were just born into that era. Right. And so, so that, that, that was me (laughs) as well. So I was just born in that era where, and so, so, so the reason why I bring this up is because the reality is evolution doesn't work that way. Evolution takes thousands and thousands of years to actually adapt for our bodies to adapt and change to our environment. And so if we've just come up with genetically modified foods in the last 100 years, that means that the people, and and this also happens during evolution, while, while we're adapting to newer environments, there are people who suffer and there are people who die from that. And that is what's happening right now with our chronic health issue in the States and and we're spreading that throughout the world, unfortunately, um, where we have about 60% of our population has some type of chronic health disease. Um, And so, so that makes sense because our bodies were never meant, we've been around for 200,000 years as humans, our bodies were never meant or able to process these types of foods because, and so whenever we eat them, our bodies are like, I don't really know what this is. I'm getting some things like, let me try to take some things, but then it's like causing an immune reaction in other ways because it's like, there's these foreign guys coming in here. We're getting confused. What's happening? What are you feeding me? Right. And so example of that, I ate oatmeal and cream of wheat and grits for 40 years, 42 Mm -hmm. years probably. Because that's what I was raised on and I loved it. And then I thought I was being fancy putting like um, getting steel cut oats with instead of water, instead of milk, I put like organic apple juice with, you know, walnuts and cranberries. Well, I go see now I have already been to the neurologist because they think I have Bell's palsy. They think I have MS. They think I have all these things. Numbness at all times. Toes, fingers, Mm -hmm. numb. It was just, I was used to being numb. I go to the doctor, to my holistic doctor. She asked me on top of, do I drink water? Do I love myself? Do I cook my own food? What do I eat? Oatmeal every day for 40 years. She was like, oh my God, gluten intolerant. She did a test. Mm -hmm. I have celiac, which is also tied into all these things. You've seen these in every store, gluten-free, gluten-free marketing, whatever. Um, But I can't eat flour pastas, grains, or anything without having a headache. So I'm a Jersey girl. I'm going to eat that Jersey pizza. But when I go there, I'm going, and I'm numb. I'm numb instantly. Fingertips, numb, headache. Mm -hmm. But I know that's what it is. And sometimes, you know, I just choose to do it. But that's what she's talking about. That's what it looks like from a practical standpoint of somebody how my body reacts to it. And your body could be doing the same thing and you could be saying it's normal. Like I thought having a stomach ache every single time after I ate a meal since high school was normal. Yes. So did I. Um, And I've, I had that pretty much since I was born, actually, I had, Mm -hmm. um, I would be in pain after eating anything. And um, I was passing a bowel movement maybe once a week. Um, Maybe. Yeah at most twice a week. Um, so I was, yeah, I was definitely there. Now I'm very grateful for every bowel movement that I have every day. Yeah, um, yeah. Because of that, yeah, it was very uncomfortable. But I had a very similar story. I, um, you know, I was eating my milk and cereal every day. That was my favorite meal. I like frosted mini wheats was one of my favorite ones or honey nut Cheerios. But or not honey nut Cheerios, um, the honey bunches of oats and frosted flakes and all those sugary cereals. And so I would always eat that. And um, I realized I also have a gluten sensitivity. And now anytime I'm exposed to gluten, um, I really try not to have it. it's, it's usually by accident if it, if it comes through, but if I am exposed to it, I will get, I will get joint pain all through my wrists. I'll get a migraine. I get that digestive pain. I get constipated again. 
And then on top of that, what's crazy, this is, this is bringing together that gut hormone connection. I skip my cycle. I ah. fully skip my cycle every time I have gluten. So finding these sensitivities is also really, really important. Um, most people are, are becoming sensitive or are sensitive to gluten, especially. Um, that's just the most researched grain though, or protein. Right. 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 So that's just the most research. But as I stated before, we just, our bodies don't know what these processed foods are. And right. so avoiding those processed foods in general is going to help optimize our gut health, eating more whole foods, right? So what I had today was just a bunch of vegetables and a, a little bit of salmon, right? Just eating more whole real food and um, not going towards those um, processed well, I'll foods. say two things. Um, two things to think about. If your great-great-grandmother doesn't know what it is, they suggest don't eat it. So would your great-great-grandmother know what a Go-Gurt or a Pop-Tart is, right? <laughs> like, my, so my grandmother and grandfather on the Eastern Shore of Virginia, there wasn't no McDonald's. We ate home every day. They built the McDonald's and we went twice for the whole summer and we were siced because we were like, ooh, we're getting McDonald's. Right. Um, the other thing is, they talk about reading labels. Eat more foods that have no labels. Right. Because it's exactly. a whole food. And then the other thing is, and this is just like a quick way to think about it. Think of this um, information age. We are in technology, Facebook, and all these different things have come out. TikTok, that's the newest technology for right now. Mm -hmm. The agricultural movement was also the new technology. Let's just go with 250 years ago, right? Mm -hmm. So people were hunter-gatherers, right? They ate, they ate some seeds, some vegetables, some fruit. They may have had a little fish, depending on if, where they were um, in, in the world. And then they hunted. But sometimes, because you can go out and you don't catch anything, and then you just have to come home with nothing. So we're going to talk about fasting after this, yeah. right? Because somebody asked that question. So now we are in a situation where that was the new technology. So they did everything they could do, grains, the mm -hmm. wheat. Now, during wartime, the U.S. is the breadbasket of America. It's just the new technology that they pushed to make money. And so now the human body is gone, just like Dr. Patel said, we don't know nothing about this. What is this? And then after a while, it'll start to affect you. Mm -hmm. In the beginning, you know, it does whatever. But every single day, if you're eating pastas and breads and waffles and pancakes and whatever it is, it will, it'll get you at some point and, and it'll show up differently for everybody. Exactly. Right. Exactly. Well, first I do want to clarify that um, the agricultural movement started actually about 10,000 years ago. Um, and that was more uh, actually more so in Asia where it really originated. So that's also, but even 10,000 years again in evolution is not that long of a time. Some odd. It's just that was the technology. And when the new right. technology came, they right. missed it. And it wasn't the way that right. human beings were able to process food. Exactly. And but what what maybe I think you were thinking about or you meant to talk about was how the the newer industrial technology of agriculture, that is kind of where where like the genetically modified foods, um, pesticide, you know, um, spraying pesticides on foods, all of that. That is definitely newer. In the U.S. I'm yeah. Specifically in the U.S. Oh, yeah. That is definitely newer. Right. So that's when they say, like, eat organic. They're talking about trying to not be, um, you know, have the pesticides and all those different things affect you. Because right. it does affect you differently. Yeah. And I do want to mention, because I, um, I just had this conversation with my parents, if it's seedless and it would naturally have a seed oh. in... <laughs> In nature, that's not organic, and it's not even if it says organic. So that is just something to be mindful of, um, because my parents will, will they'll bring like grapes or something, and be like, oh yeah, they're organic. I'm like, they're seedless, so which means that they've still been genetically modified, right? Because natural foods will have seeds, right? So like it's a it's a beast to try to find a seeded watermelon in the summertime. Even Whole Foods around here does not have them. I have really? to go to a certain farmer's market and he charges like eight daggone dollars for a watermelon because it has the seeds. So those are just little things to think about. And this whole thing was about immunity. 
These yeah. are the little ways that you can build up your mm -hmm. immunity. And I really do think food is the most important of, of all the things. Well, okay. I take that back. It's not necessarily the most important, but it is one of the most important things as well as addressing your emotional um, components to it. I think things like supplements are the last thing that we should be really talking about in terms of building your immune system. But obviously supplements can be really beneficial. And unfortunately in our world today, even our organic foods could be depleted. Um, like our soil is depleted right now. Right. So, I mean, I've seen farms where there's an organic farm and then right next to it is a regular conventional farm. So the pesticides go through the air, They're the air right. right over it. Right. So, um, so yeah, so it's, our food is more depleted today than ever before. So that is unfortunately a reality that we have to live with. And that is why supplements are actually necessary for pretty much everyone today. Okay, two things, fasting. Somebody yeah. wants to know about fasting and yeah. then somebody also, and they kind of tie together. Somebody is asking about, um, well, they don't go together, but- Cleanses. Fasting and cleansing. So yeah. toxification. And so Dr. Patel was on my show last October and we talked about detoxification. So mm -hmm. let's hit both of those two. Yeah. So um, I did see that question on the cleanse, uh, cleanses and if they would be beneficial for gut health. And what I want to say with that is it, it can help to maybe get things started, but it's a cleanse or a detox or a fast of any sort is pretty much useless unless you continue with a more whole foods diet. So it's really important to make lifestyle changes. This is what I talk about um, or what I find more important. So fasting can be extremely beneficial for certain people, but I think it's really also important to note. So we hear a lot about the keto diet and intermittent fasting. Um, if you look at the people who are really talking about these and like glorifying these diets, they're usually white men. And and I think that's really important to note because I have seen a lot of women do terrible, terrible with the keto diet and intermittent fasting because their blood sugar levels are all off. They have an increased risk of thyroid conditions and all of these sorts of malnutrition things that can affect women in a different way is really, really important to be mindful of. It can, I'm not saying that it can't work for any women. Some women, it might, it might still work, but again, it's about doing that individualization. Um, some ideally when we're optimal and healthy, we should be able to go without food. This is what you were saying uh, before when we were hunter gatherers, we'd look for food. If we didn't get it. We didn't get it. And that's why our bodies should be primed for, um, starvation. Really? That's, that's what we're ready for. And this is why we have such a problem of obesity in our, our country today is because we have, um, an excess amount of food right. and, um, and poor quality food, unfortunately. Yeah. And especially in certain certain areas, they're just food deserts, they don't even have uh, availability or access to good quality food, right? And so that obviously changes some things and it makes it, the whole system is very flawed and I could go into the politics of it too. But, um, but what I think is important to note is that we should be able to fast. Um, however, most of us are not in a state. So I used to fast regularly because like I said, I was raised Hindu and um, fasting is a very common thing within our culture. And so we, I, my sisters and I would fast every Monday and that was actually doing so much harm to my system because yep. I ended up being more like a malnourished child um and because i wasn't eating well the rest of the week so right. it didn't really it was actually just making everything worse and probably made my hashimoto's 10 times worse than it had to have been right. um and so so it's just something to be mindful of so initially when i started my healing journey i had to eat every two hours so it really again depends on where you are right. and what's going on with your health and so that's those are the main things. I, I feel like if I emphasize anything today, it's that individualization of, of your care. Because I jumped on the keto about three, two, three years ago. And then I, I, I like fasted too. I have Tracy Dorsey on here. We and whoever else from Virginia State, we were in the gospel choir. We fasted every Wednesday for stuff. I had my first fast. It was 40 hours when I was 10. We did it through our church. 
and we were all of us kids were in here throwing up. <laughs> we were sick. We were laying down. It was to raise money for the poor kids, whatever, right? So about two years ago, I was just doing intermittent fasting. And then I go to my doctor and my fat is 7% higher when I got my like, you know, test, my biometrics test. So I basically, it, it, it turned on me because my body does not like that. My body does not want to be deprived like that. So I gained fat. Mm -hmm. And that is most likely because when you don't get food, that's a stressor for your body. And so what our bodies have been trained to do is turn. So when we had that sort of stressor, it increases our glucose levels and then turns that glucose, excess glucose into cortisol um, or sorry, that cortisol turns into glucose, which eventually turns into fat. And so, so I just really simplified that process, but, but that's essentially what's happening. And so this is why it could be completely ineffective for some people, whereas for some other people, it, it works so well for them. Yeah. Everybody's different. So we, so there are a lot of questions about specific things about your body and what you have, unless you talk to Dr. Patel, I don't know, Dr. Patel, you'll have to tell them what your licensure is with people. Cause a lot of these people live here. Um, mm-hmm. but you know, you, you should talk to somebody because yeah. everybody is different and you want the person. The first time I went to my doctor, she sat me down for two hours. I was in shock. I kept thinking we were about to go. And then she would just ask me some more questions. And I'm like, nobody has ever asked me these kinds of questions and taken this long with me ever. So that's what you need and that's what you deserve. You deserve to have somebody sit and walk, all, walk through all these things with you because like we're saying, it's bio-individual. Um, I want to hit two more things. Um, Lolita's asking about colonics, colon hydrotherapy. Mm-hmm. You want to just make a quick mention there? Yeah. Um, colonics can definitely be really helpful in supporting your gut health, um, but they're also not for everyone. So um, if Wendy, remember, I would do the screenings um, with with the doctor that we worked with together. Uh, I would do the screenings for those. And there would be some people that I would turn away because um, of just uh, different issues. Sometimes if their blood sugar was too high, sometimes if they were way too constipated, right? So there were different things, again, individualizing that care, seeing if colonics are right for you. I don't usually yeah. recommend just getting them unless you know that it's going to be helpful because it can be very depleting yeah, if, it if it's not right for you. And I've done them for five years and I do them cyclically through the seasons and they work great for me, but that's just me. And then I always go to the doctor and get my blood tests and get myself worked up to see how it has affected me. So again, everything is different. Do you have anything to say, Dr. Patel, about fluoride in the water or milk? Somebody's asking a question. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Um, I am definitely not a proponent of that in, you know, getting that excess fluoride. So I do use a fluoride filter for my water personally. Um, and I never use toothpaste with fluoride in it either. Yeah. So. Me and then the last one, because it's time to go, unfortunately, yeah. things go so fast. Um, menopause. People are asking about hormones and menopause and things like that. So what can we tell them? Yeah. So, uh, well, first of all, I want to say that some symptoms that we are commonly used to, or we just think are normal uh, because they're common. So things like hot flashes, um, vaginal dryness, night sweats, all of these things um, that women experience during menopause or even before menopause, when they're having menstrual cramps and um, breast tenderness and all of these symptoms, pelvic pain, low libido, pain with sex, all of these symptoms are not normal. They might be common, like menstrual cramps. I feel like everyone's just like, oh, I just have really bad cramps. It's fine. Or really heavy bleeding. And I'm like, no, that's not fine. That's not normal. Right. You, you don't need to experience that. And I would say it's very similar with menopause too. I've seen so many women transition into menopause very gracefully with little to no symptoms. And again, it goes back to your gut health, 
which affects your hormonal health and, um, and just optimizing that in general. So there are definitely other things that I do to support women transitioning through menopause outside of nutrition um, in terms of supplementation and things like that. But yeah, there's definitely a way to ease into it and um, more naturally without doing hormone replacement therapy, which of course has those side effects of increasing your risk of breast cancer um, and ovarian cancer. So we, we obviously don't want that. So trying to ease those symptoms more naturally is, is going to be ideal. So Dr. Patel has her, has Mahan health. Yes. Mahan mean. Yes. So um, I started practice. It's called Mahan health. Mahan means great in Sanskrit. And it really just doesn't make sense to me to have anything but the absolute best when it comes to your health. And so this is why I named it this. And I'm very passionate about achieving Mahan health myself and helping others achieve achieve Mahan health as well. I, um, I feel grateful that I was able to find naturopathic medicine when I did. So I was able to reverse all of my symptoms that I kind of went into a few of them. I still have like a long list of other symptoms that I dealt with, but I'm so grateful that I don't have to deal with those anymore. You know, I feel great pretty much every day. You know, there are obviously days where there's slumps, but, um, but I'm able to bounce back much quicker than I was. And so I, I just feel really passionately about supporting people on their healing journeys to help them feel this way as well. So she also has a podcast and yeah. so I have all of her contact information. Uh, it's linked to the links that I sent you when I was, um, you know, introducing you all to her. So please listen to her podcast. Some of the questions you're asking may be um, answered in there. You could also listen to my podcast, The Sanctuary Radio Show. This is the kind of uh, content that I created um, all across the board. 46 episodes of this type of stuff, specifically targeting my sisters and brothers, right? So the information is there and I always brought on experts. So she, she has experts. She did a good one with another Dr. Patel, I guess in the last few days or so. And she was talking about the myths. We didn't get yes. to the myths, but we just, we've just been going with the flow and you know, just letting the, um, everything uh, unfold as it should. So yes, um, definitely. So I, I want to mention with uh, the podcast. Yeah. So I know we didn't get to get into that, but we do in that last episode. So if you wanted to um, learn more about the myths, uh, you can go into that. I do interview a conventional vet- medical doctor. He's not in the holistic world at all. And so it's really cool to see that conversation that we have um, with both of our worlds kind of combining and coming together. So, um, so I definitely recommend that. But I also want to mention that I am licensed in the District of Columbia, so I'm licensed to practice in DC. Mm-hmm. Um, however, I am based in Ohio, and so I do see, I mean, now everyone's seeing patients virtually, but I do see patients virtually from all over the world. So um, so yeah, just feel free to reach out. I think Wendy will have all of my information on how people can reach me. I'm all over social media. Um, and so I'm always posting as often as possible. And like well, she said, her parents doing a TikTok the other day. <laughs> yeah, that was did. so cute. And then I um, sent you guys her doing this little um, dance to Champagne Poppy, which was yeah. so cute. So check, check her out. Check out all of her stuff so that, and reach out to her if you want to get more, um, you know, more holistic, integrative type care. Okay. Right. Um, and then... So she can reach out to you, you can reach out to her, and then people are asking in different areas like Texas and Richmond, Virginia, and all these other places. Is there like a depository, repository? I don't know, I'm making it up. Is there like a group where people can go online, dot com something, and figure out what's the nearest naturopathic or integrative um, collective in their town? Yeah, definitely. So if you're looking specifically in your, your, vicinity or city, um, there is, the organization is the American Association of Naturopathic Physicians. And if you go to their website, it's just naturopathic.org. You can find an ND near you. Okay. So you all heard that? Yeah. Um, so I can give you that website too, if okay, you want. So she'll text me the website and I'll add it to the recap so that we can do that. So 
wanted to thank you, Dr. Patel, for sharing all your wisdom and all the energy that you have around it. It's very, very refreshing. Thank you so much. Thank you. For joining us. So tomorrow, you all, my very own sister will be here, uh, Cherie. We call her Cher. Uh, she will be doing a yogi session. So it's yoga slash Reiki. So she, um, I will send to you the information that she um, sent for us. But we've, we've gotten a lot of information the last three days, so I don't want you to be on overload. I want you to um, kind of like get tomorrow as like a chill day. So she is going to, and she wrote it, whatever you, if you have like your own yoga stuff, if you have a blanket, a mat, a pillow, some candles, she is basically, and she wants you to take a, you know, go to the bathroom before the session, but get comfortable and then she's just going to do breathing like we did when we started the last time. Um, we're going to do gentle movement and she's going to be on the screen by herself and she's just going to be showing us all these things. So be prepared tomorrow at eight o'clock. She, she has a nice soothing voice and, you know, we've been moving. We've been working from home. We've been taking care of the kids. And what we talked about yesterday and the first day was that we need some self-care. So we need to calm down and center. So it's Nidra Yoga. Um, and her own brand of it is Yoga slash Reiki. And she calls it the Yoki session. So it's going to be dope. Um, I'll send some more information about that. But just be ready for tomorrow. Thank you all for joining. It was so great to have you here. And Dr. Patel, keep doing what you're doing. We thank you for everything that you're doing. And hopefully you all will reach out to her. Yes. Now Thank you time. so much, Wendy. Really appreciate Thank it. You. Thank you. Have a good one. All right. Bye-bye, everybody.